Ah, don't you want to sing about the goodness of God? Can you testify to that, that God's good? He is. He is. Sometimes it might be difficult to sing a line like, I've laid everything down. But when you realize God has been so faithful and he'll never fail, his faithfulness will never fail, we can lay it all down and give him our life. And he is such a good, good God. And good morning to all of you. It's a great morning. It's a beautiful sun shining. Uh, when the, the snow's on the ground, the sun's double. And it just, it's a great, great wake up. Really a beautiful day. And God's here. Uh, do you feel his presence in the sanctuary this morning? I'll tell you what, it just feels like uh, God is, he's here. And I'm grateful. And he He's everywhere, and he reminds me so often. Week or so ago, I was having a really great day. The morning, yeah, there were some things going on in the morning. My morning had been busy. I was on my way here to the church, and I was hungry. So I turned in someplace and got lunch. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it was, because then you all just want to leave. But it really smelled good. And I was really looking forward to it. And have you ever had those times? It's just the day is clicking along so great. So I put my lunch in the car. It was smelling really good. I pulled out onto the road. And I pulled right behind a car. And it had an interesting license plate. In all capital letters, I owe you, Lord. And I thought, wow, I owe you, Lord. And as I was driving with one hand and looking at that and that everything's happening at once, this thought in my mind, I owe you, Lord. I'm reaching over to get my heat going and not paying attention. There's just three round knobs over there, but I hit the one for the radio, and I, I rarely turn on the radio in the car, and there wasn't even a radio song coming on. There was a CD in there from October. We had gone on a trip, and I threw some CDs in just to listen as we drove, and as I'm thinking, how can you, I'm wondering what this license plate on this car is all about. Did the Lord bless this person with the car? Is that what they're saying? I owe you, Lord. Because I'm thinking, I, don't, I can't pay you back. And as soon as I hit that wrong button, I hear these words. And, and I'll do a terrible job right now. <laughs> I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. And I said, I owe you, Lord. I, I don't have enough. I, there's a debt I cannot repay. Absolutely not. And I start singing that song because I sound so good when I'm alone in the car. And, and I wondered, why is that license plate on that car? Is it there to get someone to ask a question? Why do you have a, a, a license plate that says, I owe you? What is it that you owe? And I thought, well, 
I really am thinking that's what it's about. This is a creative way for someone to engage another person to spread the word of God. How many people would ask about that? They parked behind or getting, uh, getting out of the car at the shopping mall or whatever. Hey, what, what's with the license plate? A way for us to spread the word. And that's something that I want to talk to you about this morning. And in a context of this local house, this local church, in the best way that I can, this has been, as I've put it, an open letter, if you will, me coming to you as straightforwardly and candidly as possible in somewhat of a letter format, Dear Church. Dear Church, we've talked about the kingdom of God the past couple of weeks. We've talked about the blessings that we enjoy in God's kingdom, the blessings of community, the blessings of prayer, the blessings of camaraderie with others. We've talked about taking seriously the fact that Jesus is king over all. And do we acknowledge that? Do we understand it? That he is the sovereign king of the universe who set this, this church up. We talked about taking seriously our start, our initiation into Christianity. The mark that's been left on our heart in the sign of circumcision when we've been water baptized. Taking that very seriously and understanding it and never forgetting that the Holy Spirit of the living God has marked our hearts. In Acts chapter 2, the chapter ends with these words, and the Lord added to, the, to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 247. I want to talk to you about that this morning. Let's talk about that line of scripture. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If we just cherry pick that little line of scripture, what could it mean? It could mean after we come into the kingdom of God, after we're introduced to Jesus and we're saved and we're enjoying the blessings of community and relationship with others and and friendships, breaking bread together, helping each other. Life is a great thing. Life is grand. And we just kick back. And we read that line and say, and the Lord will do it. The Lord will add to the numbers. Right? Isn't that how it works? Or is that how it works? We might, we might conclude that's the way it works. If we just lift this one little line of Scripture, we could conclude, yeah, Lord, you do the work. I'm loving your kingdom, and I'm just going to kick on back. I'm going to enjoy it. Put on the cruise control. Hit the recline button. Thank you for saving me. You're a great God. You're a great God. I'm going to live the abundant life now. And now you add to the number of those who are being saved. 
And church, that might be a perspective of some. And that would be a sad perspective because when it comes down to it, if that's the perspective of a person, that person then is enjoying a life, a Christian life, saved, they got a blessed assurance, they're heaven-bound, they have a great circle of friends, and they pray, and they do Bible studies, and they have prayer groups, but are any being added? The notion that the Lord adds to the kingdom Yes, that's a right idea. It's a right notion. But he does it through willing vessels. That is entirely how the church began. We've discussed it from the start of Acts chapter 2. And please allow me just a brief review. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. We heard earlier this morning about that day of Pentecost. The 120, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter appealed to his fellow man. And he fearlessly presented the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He opened the word of God to his audience. And the entrance of the word of God, it always adds power. My words... Not so much. The word of God, it adds power. The word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of uh, soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And Peter used the power of the word to, to allow God to pierce hearts. And it was that power that changed people. Where does that power come from? It comes from the Lord. There's the Lord working and doing the adding, the spirit-inspired, God-breathed, living word of God. It's powerful because it, it energized, it's energized by the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Peter utilized that power of the living word, and in the end, what happened? The crowd just didn't walk away. No, they were pierced in their hearts and about 3,000 were added to the church and the church began. Peter was the willing vessel. But the results, they weren't his to take credit for. And he didn't claim credit. The Lord added to the number those who were being saved. And this church is a model for us. This is the model that Jesus presented to his disciples. Jesus said words like this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And what was Jesus sent to do? If he's saying, the Father sent me, I send you, what was he sent to do? He told everyone what his mission was. These are the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 4. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. From the earliest chapters of the Gospels, we read that Jesus went out preaching 
And he preached this, Mark 1. It's the earliest portion of Mark's uh, gospel's first chapter. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's, that's what Jesus was saying. It's just encapsulated into one little line there. He was sent by the Father to proclaim the good news. That's the mission of Jesus. Hear the good news. Repent and believe. This is the essence of the message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus sent his disciples to do the same. So, dear church, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you sent by Jesus? Are you living as a sent disciple of Jesus? Church, last month, we talked all about God's house. His open house, his big house, open to all. And one specific point we discussed was the foundation, the foundational cornerstone. The cornerstone, recall it's critical. It's critical to the construction. Why is that? The cornerstone sets the lines of length and width and height, and they need to be true, because if they're not true, what happens? You're going to have some... You know, cattywampus house, all the, all the corners are going to be out of whack and the construction's not going to be true. The building's going to be deformed. Jesus is the cornerstone of his house. He is the cornerstone of his church and he laid down directional lines that are true and he is the foundation of everything that is in the church. He's the foundation of everything in the world. Peter, his unspeakable, his outspoken follower, that disciple that was speaking out of turn, putting his foot in his mouth from time to time, didn't mean he wasn't always paying attention because he saw clearly the image of Jesus as the foundation. And he pictured Jesus as the cornerstone. Peter walked with Jesus for several years. So he got to know Jesus. Jesus, of course, knew Peter. His name was Simon Peter, but Jesus called him Peter. He made it clear. Jesus made it clear. This is why I'm calling you Peter. Because there was one occasion where he asked the question, who do you say that I am? Peter was the one who stepped out to reply from all the disciples, and he said, you are the Christ the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied back to Peter, and he said these words. This is Matthew's gospel. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What did this mean? Jesus saying, I tell you, you are Peter. I tell you, you are Peter. In Greek, it's Petrus, and it means stone. And upon this, Petra, Petros, stone, Petra, rock. Jesus was using a little play on words here. You are Peter, you're the stone, 
And upon this rock, Petra, this immovable rock. And what is that immovable rock? It's the declaration that Jesus is the only Messiah. He's the only Savior. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on that rock, the church will be built and established. Jesus reminded Peter, your name literally means stone. And a stone like Peter was being established. It was being set upon the rock. My church will be built on this rock, Peter. Peter, you're going to be a stone on the rock. You're going to be on this solid foundation, strong footing. And I'm giving you some authority, too. I'm giving you some keys. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of God. I'm setting the authority. But that authority is on this foundation. And I believe that experience that Peter had, it left an indelible mark on him because he used this imagery in his first letter. He used this imagery of the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Peter wrote this. Now, we heard from 1 Peter chapter 1 a little earlier about the, the precious blood of Jesus. And then Peter rolls into chapter 2, and he begins to write about stones. And he says, Jesus is the cornerstone, and you believers are like living stones. You're like Petras. You're like living stones. You're being built into a spiritual house. The cornerstone, the foundation, though, is Jesus. And he said, the cornerstone is precious. Like the blood of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, the foundation of Jesus, it's precious to those who believe. But to those who don't believe, that cornerstone, it's a stone of stumbling. It's a rock of offense. It causes them to fall. And he wrote, they stumble because they disobey the message. But you, church, you, church believers, Peter writes the very next line, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You believers, you are that. You're being built on the cornerstone of Jesus. You are chosen, royal, holy, God's special possession. To what? Peter didn't stop after telling you all those great things. You're chosen, you're royal, you're holy, you're God's special possession. To declare to declare the praise of him who brought you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, to declare him who brought you from death to life. Let me share with you how that, how that comes through in some other English translations of the Bible, just so we get the real picture here of what Peter is trying to say to the believers, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him that's the, the English standard version. God's word version says you were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God. The Living Bible says all this so that you may show to others how God called you out of darkness 
Maybe you'd make a personalized license plate for that. The modern English version says, so that you may declare the goodness of him. And then there's one Bible, it's called the easy-to-read version, and it reads this way, he chose you to tell the wonderful things he has done. Do you see the point? Are you getting the point? Is it coming through you believers? being built into a spiritual house on the cornerstone that is immovable, the cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus, you are chosen, royal, holy, God's special possession, and you're sent. You are sent to declare, to tell, and you're sent like Jesus to proclaim the good news about the wonderful things God has done, to show others how good he is, how God called you out of darkness, how he brought you from death to life, are you living as that sent disciple of Jesus? Church, are you living as that sent disciple? We're not called to stay in the same circle all the time. We're not called to stay in that same Bible study group, our small group, our prayer group forever. We've been sent. Now, please don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with a prayer group. There's nothing wrong with a home group, a small group, a Bible study group. These are great, great positive aspects of a community, of a church. They're great ways to be built spiritually. There's purpose in them. There's accountability. There's relationship building. We get kept accountable through those that we make friends with in relationships. There's great help and support. They're good things. But if our group is closed tight, if the door is closed and we're keeping it shut while we're basking in the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus and we're having our prayer circle and it's totally closed without opening ourselves to others and offering the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ, that's not the sent life. That is a static life. It's parked. Church, we're chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We're God's special possession to do something. To, to deliver a message, to declare a message, to proclaim a message, to tell others in the lost and dying world about Jesus. We're called. And part of that calling is to do what Peter wrote to declare the wonderful things that Jesus Christ has done. Has he done something good for you? Has Jesus done something wonderful in your life? Do you believe that you've been brought from death to life? And if you have, that's a wonderful thing to share and share about the anchor of your life holding you and what, we, what we've sung about is faithfulness. And when we do that and we share, the Lord will add to the numbers those who are being saved. Now, I know the Lord can do it without me. I know he can. He's God. He knocked down a man named Saul and he didn't need any of my help. Knocked him right to the ground, and he talked to him. But that was an exceptional experience. It was not the norm. I don't read throughout the rest of the Bible that the way people come into the kingdom of God is they just walk around in their life, and they wait for God to knock them down. That's the exception. It's not the norm. That was one person on the day of Pentecost, when that 120 was filled with the Holy Spirit and a whole city of Jerusalem took notice, did those 
Did those believers stand idly by? Did they say, this is our prayer group. Hey, hey, leave us alone. No, they didn't. They opened up and they reached out as sent disciples. Peter proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 were added. God wasn't knocking each one of them down individually. He was using the Holy Spirit through a vessel named Petros to deliver the word, the living word of God, which pierced hearts. And then soon after, John started to, to proclaim the good news. And people like Philip and the church formed and others were going out declaring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostles began to direct and to lead and to organize the church. And they wrote letters of encouragement and instruction with words like, you are chosen, royal, holy, and God's special possession to declare this good news to all you come in contact with with. And as we do that, as we do that, God will move on hearts. God will move on hearts. I know uh, many of you, you've seen it occur. So how are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? Does eternal life being saved from hell, death, and the grave, does it inspire you? Does being saved from hell, death, and the grave inspire you? It should inspire you. It should inspire you to, in whatever way, shape, or form, if it's, even if it's making up some funny license plate to put on the back of your car to open a do or door to say, hey, let me tell you about what Jesus did. I owe you, Lord. I owe you. Why? You went to a cross, and you took nails in both your hands and your feet, and you died for me. And I came from death to life. You know, in one of the earliest prayer meetings ever recorded in the church, the people prayed this. It's in Acts chapter 4. They prayed this. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. This was the prayer of the, of the early believers in the church. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They understood that it was the Lord who does the work and adds to the church. They wanted his enabling, not their own flesh and blood. They desired to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to receive great boldness. For after they prayed, the place where they were meeting, it was shaken, the word says. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word boldly. You know what happened? The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak the word of God boldly because they wanted it. They said, Lord, enable us. Church, let's be a body of believers that desires to be sent by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God boldly. And I'll tell you what, I believe. Dear church, I believe with all of my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word that's shared boldly, God Almighty will add to his church such as should be saved. Now through the book of Acts, we see how the Spirit enabled confidence in the proclaiming of the good news boldly fearlessly. Are we confident, even fearless, to talk about Jesus? There's a lost and dying world outside the, the walls of our homes, outside the walls of this building. And you know what? The kingdom of God has ample room for every single one of those souls. 
And you know what? In this church, there's ample room for many more souls. Take a look around you. You got some room around you? You got a place to put your coat? You wonder why our coat rooms aren't used anymore? Because you got a place to put your coat right next to you. There's not a soul sitting in that seat. It's your, it's your coat. Got a little elbow room. You don't like to sit next to people. Well, you got that option here, don't you? We have ample room. And I stand in this room and I thank God for it. Part of my time of preparing for Sundays, I'm here on Fridays. Uh, often, I make it a, a point, there's not too many in the office here on Friday, so I'm alone and I can just call on God and talk to him. And what I'll do sometimes to get exercise is you know, I'll do a few laps around this. I'll run the stairs and I'll come right up here in the balcony. It's dark in here. There's no one in here. And I just start to pray. God, do the work. Lord, work on people's hearts. Use us. Help us. Put your word into people in this church. And Lord, have them share the goodness of Jesus. We have ample room in this house. We who are the leaders of the church, we've been blessed by our forerunners. We've inherited a fantastic facility. But our heart is to see it used in the fullest possible way. Not for any of our names. Not for my name. Not for any staff member's name. For the name of Jesus. You know, his cross is on the front Right outside, right up there, there's a big old cross. There's a beacon to the community. Are we talking to them about Jesus? Do you want to see this place with souls? Do you want to see that seat next to you? Think of it not as a place to hold your coat. You know, look at it and see a soul that's missing. There's a soul missing right there and there and there. and over here and there. Those are souls that aren't in the kingdom. Do you want to see them here? Do you want to see souls praising God on their way to heaven? Get bold. Get fearless. Talk about Jesus. You know, people want answers. You know they want answers. They want truth. But if we're complacent and we are closing our circles of prayer and we're closing our Bible studies, God's going to be adding to his church. I trust him and I know he will be, but it'll be somewhere else. Somewhere where the attitude is, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Will you have that attitude, church? Because if we have that attitude, I believe God. And I believe he will work on the hearts of people through the power of the Spirit when we share the word. Or perhaps he'll use an event. You know, the last time I remember this 
house being really full on a, a Sunday morning. It was September 16th, 2001. Now, y'all remember the previous Tuesday, right? September 11th, 2001. So there was this event. People want answers. They showed up looking for answers. I don't know how many really heard or cared because then life comes. Complacency comes back. It did cause many to question, and it's not my desire that we wait for another event, some tragic issue, for people to begin asking questions. So I want to ask you, dear church, if you'll pray with me. I want to ask you if you will pray with me through, fr from now through the end of 2019 that you will make it your prayer. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness because I know we can all get complacent. We can go through the day on cruise control, and when an opportunity arises, you know, we just ignore it. And the opportunities are, are boundless. There, there, there are so many during a day. I've, I've shared some of my personal experiences, like the person I bumped, to, bumped into in the auto parts parking lot, the auto parts store, just someone who's saying, hey, will you work on my car for me? I don't want to work on a car. I want to buy my wheel bearing. But I struck up a conversation. And before I know it, I'm praying with someone and making an invitation in the parking lot of an auto parts store. Well, there was an opportunity. And I think I told you about the Uber driver who ended up in my driveway because he had the wrong address on his app. I don't know how it happened, my address. And I'm looking out the window saying, oh, that guy will leave. And I, you know, my good wife, Pastor Julie, she's saying, go out there and talk to that guy. I said, no, he'll leave. She said, you better go out and talk to him. And I went out and talked to him. And yeah, and I'm in a moment, we're talking about what's happening in the heavens and stars. And I'm quoting the Bible to him. I'm using the word of God. And she comes out with a big smile on her face. Opportunity. I was at the pharmacy the other night, late. It was after midnight, 24-hour pharmacy. Struck up a conversation with the guy behind the counter because we were the only two in the whole place. And he's telling me about his Christmas, all about his Christmas. And we shared a couple of laughs. Ah, he must have said Christmas three, four times and gone to his sister's house, etc. I'm sharing back with him and I leave. I'm driving home. I'm almost home. And I had that duh moment. It's like, duh. Oh. And I actually said this out loud. Christmas. Should have told that guy about Jesus. Where was my mind? That's just complacent. That was a perfect, perfect opportunity. Christmas. What's easier to talk about Jesus? Christmas. And I'm like, ah, you blew it. You missed it. So, so easy. Yeah, but you know, I wanted to get home. I was in a hurry, didn't want to really talk to this guy. What can happen to all of us? We, we, this complacency can, can just creep in. We're just on cruise control. So Lord, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Dear church, 
Let's not fall into the complacency where we all find comfort and love in our friendship circles, but we're not being open to others and we're not sharing. Where we're enjoying that empty seat next to us, where we can put down our coat. Will you join me to pray that God will use you and you and you and you and me and me and remind me, ah, Christmas. Who will join me in concerted prayer? Who will join me to say, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness and add to your church such as should be saved? Who will join me? Is there any in the house who will join me? If you will, I, I'm, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. I'm gonna invite you to make a pledge. I'm gonna invite you to even move to the front here to say, yes, I'll, I'll be with you. I will be with you because I do wanna see heaven filled. I wanna see the kingdom of God overflowing with souls. I wanna see a house of God that's worshiping God filled with people who have come from death to life. And I want to pray that prayer, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness and call on the Holy Spirit like we heard this morning. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it isn't going to happen. It's not going to be us. It's not going to be me and my flesh or you and your flesh. It's going to be God Almighty. And let's cry out to him together as a church. Let's make the pledge to say for this year, even for the remainder of our life, that Lord, enable me to speak your word with boldness. Give me the word. You know, if you don't trust them, if you're afraid, if, if, you're, if you're thinking you're going to be uh, pointed at as weird or odd, God will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will go before you. Peter and John, they were persecuted for it. And they said, thank you, God, that we're persecuted for your sake. Pray with me, church. Pray with me, church. Father, in Jesus' name, we call on the Holy Spirit, the living God, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Lord, you see these people who have stood up and they have said, they've made the declaration. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask for your enabling God of each one of us, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would use us as willing vessels to speak the word boldly to those around us, to those who are outside our circles. God, God, knock our complacency out of us, Lord. If we've been guilty of holding our hands together in our circles and not opening up to let others in, God, forgive us. Lord, we repent of being closed. God, help us to be open. Enable us, Lord. You are the enabler. The Holy Spirit of the living God is the enabler, and we trust you, Lord, and we ask for thy grace to fall upon us right now. Lord, humbly, we, we bow our hearts before you to ask. God, enable us. Lord, enable us to speak your word boldly. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. May our cup overflow, God. May you use us, Lord, to the betterment of the kingdom of God. God, put people in our path, souls in our path. Lord, may we not ignore the seat next to us that's empty. May we see it as a soul missing from the kingdom and be convicted to share the word of God. Lord, you're the convictor and the convincer. We trust you. We put 
put it into your hands and we love you and we praise you. Oh, we praise you and we thank you, Jesus. You're awesome and you're holy. You're worthy to be praised. God Almighty, Jesus, 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 we thank you and we praise you. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We just worship you right now, God. And we pray your holy presence would settle down upon this meeting. Jesus, 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 Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We exalt you. You're holy and righteous, Lord. You're holy and righteous, God. You're worthy of all praise. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you honor and glory and thanksgiving. You're the worthy one. You're the holy one. You're the anointed king. May your Holy Spirit fall upon us, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy to be praised. 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 Oh, praise the name. Oh, we're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Oh, we thank you, God. We thank you. Let's praise the Lord. You have a song on your heart. You have a song to sing. Chris, lead.